Lord, we just thank you for tonight and everyone that's here tonight. We thank you that you have a reason for bringing them. Thank you. This isn't just like a religious activity that we do. Thank you that you've called us. You've called us to this place tonight. You've called us to be here together. Uh, you know each of us completely. You know everything about us. The number of hairs on our head, the things that we're facing, the things that we're <clears throat> just dealing with right now, Lord. You know questions that we're asking, needs that we have. You know everything about our heart. And I thank you, Lord, that you've called us just to come tonight and receive. Thank you that this is just even myself. I may have the one with the mic. I may be the one with the mic. But I thank you, Lord, that I'm not, I'm not the source. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not the source. Thank you, Lord, that those who water get watered. And I just receive mine tonight. We just receive what you're saying to us individually tonight, Lord. Just declare that ears are open like never before, Father, that hearts are ready and ready to receive. We are, we've got our mouths open. We're just anticipating the next taste of your goodness. We've tasted your goodness and we're, we're ready for the next taste. So we just, we're expecting good things tonight, Lord. We're like little kids waiting for dinner to be ready just ready and we're hungry for another taste of your goodness, Lord. Thank you for it. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. All right. Well, I am, um, you know, I have been in a, I felt like tonight I wanted to talk about a few things uh, because I noticed that sometimes I, I come because I've been maybe doing this for a long time or helping people for a long time do something that sometimes I go to level five or level 10 and I don't break it down to potentially where people need to be. And I felt like the main, one of the main purposes for this series this summer was, you know, supernatural summer series was because there were just things in our lives. There were giants in our lives. There were areas of our lives that have been plaguing us bothering us, whatever, just issues. We got, can, I, can we say all together? Issues, issues, right? <laughs> issues, right? It just these issues that, that just seem to just be persistent, persistent issues, right? And I felt like the Lord was really, you know, he, would, he, he took me to like different passages where, you know, um, blind Bartimaeus was like, you know, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. He was just yelling out, yelling out for Jesus. And, you know, his disciples didn't even want the guy to be, you know, bother Jesus. That stupid religious spirit, you know. Um, always acts like you're bothering God. You know, or doing something wrong, you know. And finally, Jesus calls him to him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And it's a powerful thing. I mean, because he's obviously blind. He's begging. You think God would know what the dude needed, you know. But he asked him, what do you want? He's like, Lord, that you would receive my sight. And it was just this kind of picture of like these persistent issues. Obviously, blind Bartimaeus had been that way for a long time. But, you know, he kind of, he got aggressive. He stood up and he was just like, and I love his prayer. It was just mercy. What an incredible thing. You know, I mean, again, because the spirit of religion is always trying to make it about something we're not doing and what you've got to do to get it. And it's so incredibly subtle. And we put this on all kinds of people, y'all. We put it on people all the time. And we're we're well-meaning with our advice, you know, you know, we're (laughs) well-meaning, but sometimes you know, just mercy, <laughs> just God be God. And yeah, you know, just that place of mercy. And so, but I came into the summer thinking just these, these persistent issues. I, I just, I'm annoyed. I was just annoyed 
with the stuff that people go through, the stuff, you know, just, just get just annoyed that, that these things are still persisting. And so I just felt like, hey, we're going to come into the summer. We're just going to, we're just going to be blind Bartimaeus and we're just going to go for it. And we're going to let the Lord ask us the same question. What do you want? What do you want? Right. And I mean, just that whole concept is like a total religious deacon, just a, a religious, you know, deconstruction um, because we're taught, you know, to pray, not my will, but yours and things like that. And that's obviously a scriptural prayer, but let's be clear. Jesus knew the will of God, <laughs> you know, and there was, there was a, it's a totally different context, you know, and, but so that was kind of the, the, the crux of it. And then, you know, um, I just know whether we're realizing it or not, each of us is in the midst of a move of God this summer. Okay. Can I, can, can, how many of you recognize the move of God in your life right now? Yeah. You recognize the move of God. Okay. Did everybody raise their hand? Did I, did anybody not raise their hand? Okay. Just checking. Um, because let me just say this, that's huge. That is a huge thing to know, wow, I am in the midst of a move of God right now. And sometimes we, you know, you don't even know necessarily what he's doing, you know, but you know, it's something. And, um, and so I, I think that in and of itself, I just want us to just sit here for a moment and recognize and just say, I am in the midst of a supernatural move of God in my life. God is supernaturally doing something in my life right now, in my family's life right now. He's supernaturally doing something right now. Okay, just, you know, just sit with that for a moment and just, okay. And, and wake up to that if you're, if you're not, you know, if you're a person that falls asleep to that easily or goes through the, you know, life of motions or you get busy or something, just, Okay, so we're in the midst of a, so I just felt like I, we were supposed to, I'm just supposed to partner with that this summer. I was supposed to partner with the individual supernatural move of God that is going on in people's lives. And, you know, the other part of it that's kind of been interwoven through that for me, um, which is always kind of that way, there's two, two themes, I think. One is, just just getting into a place of greater intimacy with God. Um, because here's what I know. Where God is taking you, you can't go without him. Okay? And you can't follow someone you can't hear. All right? You can't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird to think that you even are supposed to be in a relationship with someone that you can't see. Now I get that faith says you can't see him, but I just, I just beg to differ. <clears throat> I don't think Paul was the only one that got to experience Jesus that way. I, I believe that we have spiritual eyes and we have spiritual ears. We have spiritual senses and that we have been designed to encounter God. And when I heard the Holy spirit tell, well, through Jesus, I heard Jesus tell that I will manifest myself to you. Because I'm sending the comforter and it is better for you that I go away. And I'm sorry, as a human being, having a, a relationship with someone that you can actually interact with in a real tangible way is something that most human beings need. And for, for far too long, which kind of weaves into the third theme of this, we have been interacting with God through a religious system. And through religious ideas about God. When I just say religious, I just mean things that hinder relationship. Anything that's systematic or formula, you know, any kind of formula, formula or, or just ideas about God or, or 10 steps to a God, you know, whatever that is. And it's just, it's, it's the, it's not relational. And that relational aspect is the foundation. It's the foundation of your life. It's the foundation of our, our Christianity. It's the foundation of the gospel. It is the point. It is the point 
It is the point. And I think we forget, you know, that Jesus came in the midst of a religious system. And that religious system had painted a picture of God that looked nothing like God. I mean, if it looked like God, if the religious system had looked like God, the Pharisees would have been the ones that recognized him. Do you understand? I mean, Jesus did not come and work through the religious system. He demolished the religious system. You know, I, I think a lot of people don't even realize. I mean, this, is, this was a huge epiphany for me. Because so many times we are reading and getting taught the scriptures from people that have not spent a significant amount of time in church history. And so we lose these, this concept that the scriptures were written. The entire New Testament was written before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. And so that means the context for when the Bible was written was that there was still a sacrificial system. There was a temple, there were sacrifices being made, and there was a war of two covenants. The two covenants were still being, they were still in operation. There was a new covenant, but the old one had yet to pass away. You know, and a lot of times when we read the scriptures, we, we think, you know, we think, you know, a lot of things are talking about the end of the world because they'll talk about the end of this age. But they don't recognize that the end of that age was the end of the temple religious system. And once it, had, once it was destroyed, it has never come back. We're talking thousands and thousands of years without the sacrificial old covenant system of way being in operation. And that is so significant. And it's very significant when we read the scriptures. But I'm sharing that because... We have a really serious problem in the church, and it's called religion. And it separates us not only from God and our ability to experience him, our ability to know him intimately as a relatable human being named Jesus, but there is a human being in the midst of the Trinity that will be there for all of eternity. He was human. He is a risen human. And he experienced humanity. He experienced life. He experienced rain and, and, and sorrow and, and betrayal and disappointment and joy and the gamut of hum, human emotions and the temptations. And I mean, he, he's human. And religion separates us from the, this, this relatable, relational, human person named Jesus who hung out with unacceptable people, who made friends with completely untouchable people. I mean, lepers... I mean, gave honor to women, let, let the children come to me. I mean, he just was an absolute, I mean, he was crucified by religion. He was crucified by a religious spirit that didn't recognize that God is not religious. And that... I think I've shared this before, but, you know, I went through the process. One of the things we do in Emerge is we, we, we learn to articulate our why. We answer the question, why am I here? And you got to do it within a sentence. And through my own process of discovering my why, you know, I recognized in my own life how the spirit of religion had stolen my life. You know, I grew up in church, but I didn't know God. I heard the gospel, but I didn't experience the victory of the cross. And what they called the gospel was a, a distorted portion of the gospel that made it about an afterlife, that made it about humility as being having a very low opinion of yourself and identifying with yourself as a sinner and never learning about what, what really Jesus accomplished for me. And ultimately what it did 
is it stole my ability to relate to God. And it made me afraid of God. It made me afraid of God. And God is love. God is love. God is love. And we've even skewed what love is to, to, to make it, you know, I mean, we've even, we, we have, you know, I mean, all kinds of, not necessarily our circles, but there's all kinds of doctrines that are so skewed by God puts sickness on people to teach them something, or God doesn't heal everybody, or you know, we, we put these doctrinal things on God. We, we, we say, he, you know, we're cessationists or we, we believe all of these things because we're just, it's, it's, it's human attempt to understand God. And my point is, right, my whole point of all of this is that that religious stuff, I know if you're here with me, that's a part of what God is doing. In your life is he is removing every barrier to you having intimate relationship with him and you being able to receive permission to love yourself, to love yourself. You have permission to love yourself. You have permission to like yourself. You have permission to accept yourself. You have permission. We have permission to be loved by ourselves. And religion attacks that. Religion attacks that so poorly. I mean, just so, not, not makes us feel poorly, but just re- attacks it so relentlessly. And you have permission. You have permission to, Shalise, why are you saying that? I'm saying that because the whole message of the gospel is that we are loved, that we are loved. For God so loved the world. Let me just say who the world is. It's all of humanity. Every human being on the planet is loved, is loved, worth the price of God's blood. God's blood determined their worth. And he determined that before they were ever born, before they were ever born, before they ever made a good choice or a bad choice, before their minds were warped by the world system or whatever painful experiences they've experienced. God decided, approved, and said they are loved. They are loved. And guess what? That means me, and that means you. And it means every other person, every person on the planet is loved. Let me tell you this too. They're also loved regardless of whether or not they have met Jesus. They are loved whether they have accepted Jesus and accepted the gospel or have even heard the gospel or even if they have rejected the gospel. Last time I checked, he loved the people that crucified him. Last time I checked, he died for the people that crucified him. Last time he forget. I mean, and that's the whole world. The whole world doesn't know what we're doing. I'm just saying really truly, if we are honest, we don't have a clue about what we're doing. I mean, we might have, we might have a certain clue about a certain thing. I mean, I might be able to make some pancakes. I mean, I have a little bit of a clue, but compared to the mind of God, compared to, to what the, 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 you know, truth as it exists, you know, I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant. And I'm sharing this so much. There's two things that happens when you start to really receive this idea that, you're loved. See, that, that's, that is so the point. You know, um, see, because love is the voice that spoke to blind Bartimaeus. Love was the voice that said, what do you want me to do for you? Because that's a question that love asks. <laughs> love asks that question. I mean, the Holy Spirit's the helper. How can I help you? I mean, that's a question that 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 love asks. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Why? Because he came to serve humanity. God himself, God, the creator of humanity, sees himself as a servant of humanity. And not just, and definitely not the people that, you know, these religious people. 
And so the foundation for, for everything, the foundation from receiving from God, the foundation of, of really walking into the promises of God and seeing the manifestation of whatever it is, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if it's healing, provision, deliverance, relational reconciliation, whatever it is, the foundation for all of that is love, is love. And the cross gives you permission to love yourself. Well, that's a whole nother part of it, right? Because, you know, we, we, you know, I've heard it taught, you know, love your neighbors, you love yourself. And I, every time I would hear that, because I had been so religiously programmed, brought up. Because what happens is, is you, it's like you're, you, people t- command you to love. And you're selfish if you don't, you know, love, Sandy, love. Love people, Sandy. You know, be patient and kind and joyful and Sandy, you know, and you know, you're just, that just makes you feel worse because you know, I'm not joyful, peaceful, or kind. So that gives you just another reason not to love yourself. But you know, the point is because it's a list of do this, 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 do this. And you know what? We can't do all that. Well, even, you know, just the, the law is, is absolutely, it has a purpose. And the purpose, it's, it's the strength of sin. It's the strength that, that causes your inability to not do it, to be magnified. The law magnifies our inability to do it, right? It's Romans, it's Romans 6. No, I'm sorry, Romans 7. When you just read Romans 7, and people read that like that's, all, you know, we're struggling, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. No, Romans 7 is a picture of what life is like under the law. That's Paul saying, my life was this. I knew what to do, but I didn't do it. I didn't want to do it, but then I did it. Listen to this. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. I knew what to do, but I didn't. That's the law. It is a relentless taskmaster that constantly tells you what is wrong with you, what you aren't doing right, and why you are unlovable. And it sets you up for a performance-based relationship with God and a performance-based relationship with yourself. And that's why that whole thing had to do, that system had to just be thrown out. The baby, the bathwater, the whole dang bathroom had to be torn down. Like throw it out. You know, and so we, and it's not just really, it's, I mean, this whole, the whole world operates under this. I mean, we like people for, when they perform well. We dislike people and reject them when they don't. You get fired when you do. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have standards of relationship. I'm not, I'm not, because even Paul said, is the law bad? God forbid. No. It's not that anything that, they're, the Ten Commandments are, are, are great commandments. I mean, we really shouldn't murder and we really, right, shouldn't commit adultery. I mean, they're, 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 they're right. It's right. It's our relationship with it and what it teaches us about God and what it teaches us about ourselves that is absolutely wrong. And you have permission to love yourself because Jesus deemed you lovable. And, you know, by the way, in Ephesians 1, it says that we were chosen in love before the foundation of the world. So we were never unlovable. From God's perspective, Adam and Eve were not less lovable after the fall. Adam and Eve perceived themselves as less lovable after the fall. And their perception of God became someone that you had to hide from because you've been bad. Does that make sense? And so, you know, that is a huge part of learning to receive from God in the sense is that you can't, you can't receive from God being unworthy, you know, so that whole part of it's a part of it too. But the, the other part I kind of wanted to hone in on tonight was just this, this idea that God wants relationship with you. I mean, he is after relationship with us. Um, 
And every person in this room has the capacity to hear from God on demand, to, to see what God is doing, to see what the Father is doing, to, and to receive from the Lord encouragement and, and direction and wisdom. I mean, it says you have not because you ask not, or if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. And it says, you know, you, you won't be upbraided for it. You won't be, you won't get in trouble for needing help and being ignorant, right? There's no condemnation for them that are in Christ. And so you're not going to, you're not in trouble. I, mean, I grew up half my life thinking I was in trouble. I mean, I, I dealt with this thing that, you know, I've heard people talk about these evil forebodings. I mean, I called it the, it's a cop feeling because I didn't know evil forebodings. I didn't know that, that, you know, that feeling you get when you pass a police officer, you know, you feel guilty whether you're speeding or not. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? But I would have that when I wasn't passing a cop. So all through high school, all through college, the majority of my 20s, I would, it was just a random feeling that I had more often than I care to remember that I was in trouble, that I was in trouble. Like I was just, I just got caught speeding. That was a horrible feeling. So that's why I called it that. Like I have the it's a cop feeling again. I didn't know what else to call it. It's just anxiety and, you know, but that, all that mess, it's what it is. It's just total mess. God wants to be known. And he is about the business of you believing that you are loved, you know? And, and so hearing him, I mean, I wanted to talk about, you know, what do we do with that? What, you know, when I first started seeking to hear God, I knew nothing. I'd never read a book on this. I didn't know where to start. I was desperate. That's what I was. I was desperate. You know, I'd been diagnosed with a mental illness. I had gotten, uh, turned on to some teachings that had taught me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And even prior to that, I'm trying, it blurs now, but, you know, I was living alone and really for the first time in my life, just all of the, just the vices and the, the coping mechanisms and all of the ways that I had kept myself functioning to a degree seemed like they were no longer working. And it was just an extremely desperate, scary, um, horrible time in my life. And uh, really, really f- just did not feel mentally stable and very demon- very in tune with demonic stuff, but yet no knowledge of how to deal with any of that, although knowing that's what it was. You know, I'd been raised in church. I knew enough to know, but I didn't know what to do about it. I, matter of fact, I, someday I'm going to write a book. The Lord's t- told me I'll write a book, and he's kind of got me, gave me a working title about it. It's called The Road to Life. And I got this, the first line of the book back in that season, and I got it in the bathtub. I would take a lot of baths <laughs> during that time. I don't know why. It was like the only kind, I thought it was spiritual warfare. I mean, that's just how ignorant I was. Like, I, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I just would take baths. But I remember sitting in the bathtub one day, and it was like the first line of this book that I knew that I would write. And it was just, the first line was, I was dying, and I knew it. I just didn't know what to do about it. And I can tell you, that is just a, that's a horrible place to be in your life. Um, you know, and I, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I really didn't. I, I, I knew what I'd been taught growing up. I read the, if I read the scriptures, I, I, I had a completely legalistic view of God, I think I had a a pretty legalistic relationship with myself because I would just read the Bible. And to me, all it said is all the stuff I didn't do. You know, it would, it would describe a person who I was not. And I was kind of like the Roman sevens person who knew what was wrong, but did it anyway. And tried, you know, I just, I was really kind of how I lived. And I just remember, you know, in that season, surrendering my life to the Lord and, you know, praying to be filled with the Holy spirit you know, I would sleep with my Bible because um, I didn't know how to have a relationship with God, but I wanted one desperately. 
And so I would just sleep with my Bible because it represented God to me, you know, and I would just journal because I'd learned how to journal in therapy. And in therapy, journaling is really depressing. I'm not saying for everybody, it may not, but for me, it was very depressing um, because it was getting in touch with the part of you that was super sad, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I had a, a Christian therapist who I loved. She was so good. Catherine, if you ever hear any of these teachings, I just want you to know you still impacted my life beyond my ability to express um, because she would have me connect. She was really the first person that was teaching me to connect with God right where I was. And so she would have me journal my prayers. And so I would just write these prayers to God in my journal, you know, that were, I mean, just they're really sad prayers, you know. It would just be kind of the same prayer over and over again. And it was a lot of asking God what's wrong with me. What is wrong with me? A lot of that, a lot of that. I mean, it's journals and journals and journals full of that one question. And, you know, I remember when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it really was the first time that I heard the voice of God that I can remember and knew it was actually like God. Like, I mean, he spoke to me when I was on drugs one time. I mean, he spoke to me certain times, more just like warnings or something, you know, that in retrospect, I knew it was God. But this was like the first, like, a kind of like relational moment. And I love what he said because he, he, he came to me. The voice of grace is something that you never get over. You never get over that voice. And everyone needs to hear it. Because until you've heard it, you don't know God. And you will be victimized by religion until you hear that voice of grace and that voice of mercy. And, you know, he, it was, he's got a sense of humor, too, which I really liked. You know, it's a, a girl who liked to party. You kind of hang out with some funny people. You know, I loved my funny friends. Just I had a, I was we had fun, you know, and and so it was great that Holy Spirit didn't come and, you know, a cathedral and something super religious. He just said. It was kind of like, girl, you've got more problems than a math book. That's what he told me. Girl, you've got more problems than a math book. <clears throat> and he just said, and you can't solve them all at once. And so it was truth. And then it was just like, and he's just like, but together. And then he showed me a picture. And that's the first time I, 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 you know, our imaginations are powerful and the Holy Spirit wants to use them to communicate to you. I mean, think about it. Movies are so powerful. Or even when you read a book or even when you read, God forbid, you read the Bible and you use your imagination and maybe you don't even realize you're doing it. But, you know, we're, our imaginations bring, you know, words to life. And the Bible's full of examples of where God would go back and forth. You know, like sometimes he would give someone either a vision, and it never says they're all open visions, but, you know, just a, a, some type of vision, an inner vision, and then he would explain what it meant, right? And then other times he would say a word, and then you might get a vision to go along with it. But I, I didn't really know what I was doing at the time, but he gave me an inner image, an imagination, and it was like a, and it, you know, it's, I mean, we're having a, he's talking to me. So I didn't, I didn't try to be all religious and be like, is this God? Is it not God? I did a lot of that, but not at this point. And he said, he showed me a, a rubber band ball. And it was just, you know, like you see sometimes at the office depot or office supply store or something, it was just a ball of rubber bands. And it, 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 you may not think this sounds like good news, but for me, this was super good news. And he, he just showed me this is like, this is your mind. And it kind of represented, now that I look back on it also, a, it, was a, it was a band of lies. It was lie after lie after lie after lie after lie, all banded together into this ball. And, you know, there's a certain way those lies got banded together. And there's a certain way that you have to take the rubber bands off of that thing so that the center of the ball is revealed. Does that make sense? And so he kind of just showed me a picture of like this. And it was kind of like another voice of grace. I just kind of understood that I didn't understand why I was the way I was, much less how to change it. 
And so it was this first picture of him saying, and then we just, I began to, he just talked to me. It was like, I recognize you don't have the power to do this. So how about I do it? You know? And it began this journey of just learning to hear God and, and not just learning, but just, just making space in my world to hear from God and journal. And I remember, you know, I had another just spiritual mentor of mine that um, I'd been journaling for a really long time, but I heard the way he taught people to journal. And I've been, I kind of hijacked that. I mean, it's the way he taught Brian to journal. He taught Brian to hear the voice of God years and years ago. Remember that, Brian? And it was just really simple. He just sat him down with a piece of paper. And he said at the top of the paper, write down the word son and hit, hit a comma. Like, it's, you know, God's writing a letter to you. And whatever he says after that, just write it down. Just write it down. Don't judge it while you're writing it. You know, that's that. I don't even know if he said that part. I've taught it so many times, but I, I would do this a lot. I, you know, people would say, I'm not hearing God. I'm not hearing God. I would just say, oh, cowabunga. Stop that. You know, just stop that. Stop that nonsense. You're not hearing God. You know what? Piece of paper, pen, sit down right here. Now you're going to hear God. You're going to write son or daughter at the top of the page. And you're ju- don't you judge it. Because the word says, let the prophet speak and let the others judge. You don't judge it before it comes out of the prophet's mouth. What are you going to judge? Like you've got to let it out. God's not afraid of what's going to come out on the paper. You know, you're not going to offend him. You know, if it's straight up demon talk, which by the way, praise Jesus, I, you know, I, I've seen that. Just straight up demon talk coming out of a journal. Well, praise God, then somebody knows how to pray. You know, show it to somebody, they'll be like, okay, well, a little deliverance session might be in order. But, you know, the point is you just got to get it out. Do not judge it. That is exhausting. That is that is a waste of energy and time. Whatever he said, what, just write it word for word. Thought bubble up, write the word. Thought bubble up, write the word. If your mind wanders, get back. Son, just write it down. Write it down. And then afterwards, you know, um, then you can read it. And you can be like, well, this sounds like God or or. I'm not sure if this is God. I mean, I tortured myself. Is this God? Did I make it up? Is it God? Did I make it up? Is it God? Did I make it up? You know? And I tell people all the time, bring it to me. Text me. Email me. Call me. I'll help you. You know, I had a a lady this week on the phone who, again, people will come and, like, sometimes ask me, you know, the situation. And and my job is like, well, you need to hear from the Lord. So journal. So I told her, journal for 15 minutes, get out of the thing, journal, call me back, share with me what you got. And I mean, I end up crying almost every time because what God's, God's words are incredible. For, they're incredible. You know, and, and then you just go, well, yeah, that was God. You know, and then I just, that, in that moment, I said, now, and this is a tendency we have. I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. You know, I'll start hearing from the Lord and he'll say something or sometimes he'll even ask you a question. And so then you'll kind of start talking and then you'll just keep on talking. And then by the time you're talking, you're done talking, you're, you're kind of done. So then it's over. So, okay, praise God, you know, and he's spoken something, but he wasn't finished talking. And so, for example, when this person called me back, I mean, it was incredible what God said, but then they kind of got on this and I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, he wasn't finished talking. I said, 15 more minutes. Okay, go back and listen, 15 more minutes. You need specific instructions, not just some generic thing that then you go run off and make it mean something and now you're doing what you think God meant. Can I say that again? Now you're doing what you think God meant. So so stay there long enough. I said, so okay, go back and do it. You know, so why am I sharing this with you? Because every person in here, there's not a single person in here. I'm telling you right now, invite 100 more people in, 300 more people in, 500 people. I'm talking about people that don't know the Lord. Oh, Shalise, you're getting into something crazy. I sure am, because he knows them. And he's their father, whether they know it or not. Now, they may not get the, the, the full, you know, benefits. It's like the orphan that never comes home. You, you know, I mean, there's benefits in daddy's house. <laughs> you, get, you get all the, you get to enjoy the inheritance when you come into daddy's house. You know, but daddy's not stopped talking to them because... 
they're hiding behind a rock, sowing fig leaves for themselves. I mean, you know God talks to him because it says no man can be drawn to him unless the Holy Spirit draws them. So Holy Spirit's drawing people that haven't met Jesus yet. I mean, you know, he's, he's talking, he's drawing, he's working, he's brooding, he's, he's working to bring people to, into the knowledge of the truth. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Right, yeah. I mean, what about Paul? Same thing, you know, and I love what he said to Paul. Why are you persecuting me? <laughs> Why are you torturing me, Paul? <clears throat> but anyway, so um, I just wanted to, to make it really plain and simple tonight because, you know, if you are not journaling, and I know, let me, I, I've heard every excuse. Trust me, I'm not a journaler. I don't like to write. I don't read. I, I mean, there's a million excuses for not journaling. But every person in here has five minutes a day. And again, I'm not trying to make it some religious. I'm trying to make this because you, this is relational. And there's something about sitting down with a pen and paper. I mean, you know, Mark Verkler, who we've had here before, he has a book, The Four Keys to Hearing God. You know, and it's, he, he gives a money-back guarantee. Like if you go through this book or go through my DVD series or come to one of my workshops, and if you get through the workshop and you're not hearing God, you get a money-back. There's a money-back. You'll get your money-back, Right? And his four keys are be still, right? And that's just physically (laughs) sit your little booty down, get quiet, remove the distractions for a minute, and just you're here to hear from God, okay? So you're still, right? Secondly, he says, I'm trying to remember the four steps. The second one is it, oh, focus on Jesus, Right? And this one, is, this one is from Hebrews like 12, 2, where you look away from all that would distract to Jesus. And this is a very simple thing. It's, it's just imagining Jesus. And you can imagine Jesus from a Bible story, you know, walking down the shore of Galilee or sitting on a fishing boat, or you can imagine him. You're like, Shalise, don't be telling me to use my imagination. That is not, where's that in the Bible? It's all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. Paul prayed that the church of Ephesus in chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, he said, Father, grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And then he said, and enlighten the eyes of their understanding that they may know the hope of their calling. Well, enlightened eyes of understanding, the eyes of your understanding is your imagination. I mean, in spiritual warfare, it says that we are to take every thought captive You know, in one translation, it says, casting down every vain and wicked imagination. The devil has no problem using your imagination. Why? Because our imagination is the place, it is the realm where we can imagine all things as possible. It is where the limitations of this world are removed. It is a spiritual, spiritual connector to the promises of God, to the prophecies of God. I mean, he told Abraham, go out and look at the stars. What was he telling to do? Imagine. Imagine your offspring. Go look at the grains of the sand. Imagine using natural, I mean, you know, th- this, is not a, th- this is not a new age concept. This is, a, this is a biblical concept that new agers recognize as true. And so anyway, um, the third step is uh, tune to flow, all right? So when you've got that picture of Jesus and, and just however, don't get super religious about it, just whatever. You can use any anything that Holy Spirit can pop in your mind. And then you just, for me, this is where I would say, get out your piece, that journal and begin to just, by faith, begin to write. You know, sometimes I ask the Lord because I'm tuning to him, well, what would you like, what would you like to show me? Or he, sometimes the Lord will just be like, what do you see? And I'll just... And it's the same place that you learn to prophesy from. This is, a, this, is a, this is a prophetic flow that is turned towards your own relationship with God. You know, and I've been training prophetic teams for well over a decade, well, well over a decade. And truthfully, everybody in here should be able to walk up to any person anywhere on the street and hear what God's speaking to them. That is normal Christianity. 
normal Christianity where we just say, Ray, what is God? Well, Ray, I'm seeing you sitting here with a crown on your head. And uh, you are known uh, for great authority uh, in heaven and, and great humility. And that is the heart of King Jesus. And that's, that's the crown he wears. It's a heart. It's, a, it's, a, it's absolutely a sign of authority. But true authority is used to serve. Authority is used to serve. And that, that's, a, that's a huge, but I mean, that's just an example. And first of all, you need to believe that you have that capacity. Because I've never trained a prophetic person ever who thought they could prophesy on demand when they started. I said, you will get it when you sit in the chair. When you touch the person, you're not going to have a full, I mean, you might, if you sat down and said, give me a word for Ray, you would get it the same way. But every person in here has that capacity. And so intimacy with God is using that. It's just, it's just the gift of that flowing so that God is speaking to you. And let me, let me just say this, the intimacy that you with, you have with God, and I don't, I'm just going to say it, is the determining factor. And whether you get into the promised land or you keep going around the mountain. Because you are following a person. And I'm sorry, I don't know how to follow the instructions of someone I can't hear. I don't know how to, to do what he's asking me to do. I mean, if, what if they hadn't heard Jesus fill up the water pots? Well, they could only obey the instruction they heard. Right? You can only... You know, and, and I mean, and gosh, I mean, the word's so powerful about this. You know, you have no need that any man should teach you. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't honor teachers. But the point is, you have a teacher that's inside of you that's listening to me while I'm teaching and teaching you while I'm teaching. He's teaching everybody in here something different while I'm talking. The Holy Spirit is the teacher, right? And so, you know, if this is not something that you've done on a regular basis, well, heck, just commit to once a week. Start with once a week. Once a week, we sit down with our journal and we spend five minutes just let the Lord talk to you. Because I'm telling you, we need encouragement. And we have a source that is not of this world. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. And I do not give as the world gives. There is a peace. There is an encouragement. There is a joy. There is a, there is a word that God wants to. He is a good father. Could you imagine having a kid that didn't talk to their dad for a whole week and hear their dad say, you know, or mom or their parent and be like, good job or keep going or, you know, I mean, and we are God's kids and we are designed to live independent. I mean, I mean, not independent, dependent. Jesus was like, I don't do anything except what I see the father doing. And it's, it, it, and you don't just hear him while you're journaling. Why, why journal? Because it's, it's where the, it's where you're developing the skill. You are developing the skill and you're getting really, pre- you, we need to hear. We need to, and I mean, I'll tell you, that is, that is the greatest attack in our lives. It's either, first of all, to not be able to hear, or then when you can hear, to keep you from that place. And we are called to abide. We are called to, to stay in this place. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Walk. Not visit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk with Holy Spirit throughout the day. Walk, you know. I told someone, I had a, a word from someone even just today, and and it was really interesting what the Lord was saying because, I, you know, it's like sometimes when you prophesy, you get revelation from that. You know, you're just like, wow, that was good, Lord. And it was really about inviting Holy Spirit, you know, into our emotional world. Um. Because so many of our emotions come from our perception. The way we perceive situations or perceive people or perceive what's happening around us, right? I mean, so much, I mean, emotions come from what we believe is true about something. And I just felt like Holy Spirit was saying, invite me into these places in your, I mean, you know, in your, I mean, first of all, he feels them. He understands them. And he wants to be a part of that in our lives and wants to minister to our emotions. Um, and that was just a beautiful thing. He's like, you know, I want to show you my perspective in that place where you're feeling emotional or whatever. 
And so, I don't know, is this helping someone? It's review probably for a lot of folks, but is this helping someone? Um, I, I feel, I feel the resistance against this place in our lives. You know, I feel the, because this is the most incredibly powerful place. I would not be in ministry today if I did not have this place. I would have been taken out a hundred different ways. Because here's the thing. My sheep know my voice. And there's a lot of voices. There's just a lot of voices. And, you know, I, 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 have, I can't tell you the number of times when it has been such an intense testing time. And everything, everything seems like this is God, this is God, this is God, this is God, this is God. You know, everybody's telling, it's all this stuff. And there was something inside of me that just knew that's not his voice. It's not his voice. Why? Because I'd heard the voice of mercy. I'd heard the voice of grace. I'd heard the voice that always believes the best, that has this incredible ability to somehow motivate you in a way that is inexplainable. There's not a bit of compulsion in it, not a a bit of guilt in it. It it is so incredibly positive and it's like a piece of chocolate that you're just, you're just, you're just, you know, you you want to eat (laughs) because it's good. The goodness of God leads us to repentance. That, 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 that voice that is that, that doesn't exist anywhere else except from his mouth. Because unless he's unless he's working through you, humanity doesn't work that way. But it, it's something that just this goodness comes through, and you next thing you know, you you've changed, and you don't really know. You just ate a piece of chocolate. You just had a yummy piece of cheesecake, or you know, you just you were just so overwhelmed with how wonderful it was. It didn't feel, you know, and, and oh, anyway, I'm just that, that place for every person here, this supernatural summer is coming to a close in the sense that the season of summer is, is coming to an end here, but the move of God that we are in is not, and there is a place of freedom that God is bringing us into that requires that we hear him, requires that we know him. And so I just want everybody to know, I'm just telling you right now, you can hear him as good as I can. You can hear him as good as anyone. You have the same equipment. There are no, there are no handicapped spirits. There are no handicapped spirits in God's house. There's no blind spirits. There's no deaf spirits. When you got, when you became a new creation, guess what? You got all five of your spiritual senses. And just because maybe you've not been taught how to use them or you've had, like I did, so much religious stuff or condemnation. I mean, there's, there's hindrances to it that are coming from our own, whatever, unbelief and perceptions and things. But all of that is completely fixable. The Holy Spirit can fix all of that. Amen? I mean, I didn't pray in tongues and interpret it until I prayed in tongues and interpreted it. I didn't know how to do this. So I'd like us just to, to, you know, before we take up offering and do announcements and stuff, I'd like us just to spend just a few minutes hearing from God tonight. And so maybe we could just grab some paper. Um, Maybe, I don't know, from the copy room, maybe, Sandy, or you want to grab some, Lil? Thank you. And she, she's getting it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a, a journal with you, great, or whatever, or some pens. I don't know if you've got extra pens. 
I mean, I just, I'd like us to do a little bit of an activation here. Yeah. And the first, while, while she's looking for that, the first thing I want us to do is I want us to just close our eyes for a moment. And um, I don't know why the Lord's bringing this to me, but I'm just going to go ahead and go with it. Um, I read a really good book by Gregory Boyd. I really like Gregory Boyd a lot. If you've not read any of Gregory Boyd's stuff, really recommend it. He's got a great book. One of his is called Present Perfect, which is all about kind of practicing the presence. It's a beautiful book, beautiful book. But he's got some pretty deep books too. He's got another one called Repenting of Religion that will really uncover how at the very base, the whole point of the whole spirit of religion, it works through judgment. And it's a powerful book about a revelation of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and judgment and how it functions. And it's a powerful book. It's called Repenting of Religion. There's another one called The Myth of a Christian Nation that will really mess you up in America. It will mess you up. And we should be messed up. Um, This idea that somehow the kingdom and kingdoms of this world are, I don't know, you just have to, you have to read it. I can't do it justice. And then, um, but there's another great book that he has. Um, that's called seeing is believing. And it's, uh, the Lord just was bringing me while we were sitting here to a, it's Gregory Boyd's kind of secret place, right? And I'm doing a, a webinar. We'll be talking about in a moment this, this week called living from the secret place, uh, which is really Christ in the new covenant. The secret place is in Jesus. But in, in this book, he describes this place that, um, he would go with the Lord and he let the Holy Spirit, we do this in Emerge as well. We, we find this place, this kind of place in our imagination where Jesus shows up. And for Gregory, it was this clearing in the woods that was a real place in, from his childhood home. And he would go to this place with Jesus and in his imagination, in his quiet time, in his devotional time with the Lord, God would take him to this place And from that place, he began to do an incredible healing work in Gregory's life. And it's very similar to the things that we do in our inner healing. We call them rapid mind renewal sessions. Um, But he would take him back to various memories in his life. And there was one significant one that I I remember from reading the book, and it was like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of butchering it because it's been a while since I read it. It was either that he didn't get a Christmas present or a birthday present or something. Um, and maybe even everyone else got one but him. But it was something that was very, very significant to him because it, it meant to him he didn't deserve good things and that he was bad. And he interpreted, and it was with his grandmother or something. And so Jesus took him back in this time where he, you know, he would go to this clearing with Jesus. And from that place, the Holy Spirit would take him wherever he wanted him to go. And he took him back to that memory. And through that memory worked out that whole situation with his grandmother. And it's like Jesus actually scolded the grandmother and said, you know, that was not correct. And then Jesus, Jesus gave him a present. And so he got a present, um, even though he didn't get a present. You know, that's the beautiful thing about Jesus and the Holy Spirit is that he can change memories. And, you know, to this day, you go back to that memory, it's never the same. When you encounter God in a memory, they're never the same. And, you know, I, I remember another one. This was what, years ago. Um, and I'm just following the Holy Spirit with this because he's going somewhere. Um, there was a lady um, that I knew that I, that to this day would call me spiritual mom. And she moved away years and years ago, but this was a person who, uh, the story breaks my heart every time I hear it, um, invited a bunch of people to her birthday party. And I think it was like her eighth birthday party and no one came. No one in her class came. And um, it was devastating to this little eight-year-old girl. And Jesus threw a birthday party for her in one of these sessions and took her back to that memory 
and filled up the table. I don't even remember who all came to the party, the birthday party, but totally transformed this idea of her being rejected into being celebrated, that she was celebrated in heaven, that she was unique and all of this stuff in heaven and totally healed those memories for her. And I'm sharing that tonight because there are places in our heart that the Lord wants to touch. And I don't want you to go into every single session with Jesus and it'd be like this, you know, heavy, I'm not doing this for this to be heavy. It's just to be open, to be open to what God wants to have this time with you. He wants to have this time with me. He, he is, he is jealous for us, for us. He's jealous for us. And I'm telling you, your breakthrough, my breakthrough is an instruction away. I mean, I cannot tell you the number of times that God just followed God and seen in most incredible breakthroughs, incredible, incredible breakthroughs. I mean, when we raised the money for the school, God told me to call four people. All four people wrote a check. I mean, and that's not because I'm just some great venture capitalist <laughs> that knows how to go did a 10-step raise your venture capital. You know, it, it's hearing God, hearing God. And here's the thing too. I know that if you've heard God for more than five minutes, it doesn't mean you're always going to hear correctly. I mean, it just doesn't. I mean, I could have, let's say this though. If I'd gone to those four people and they'd all said no, let me tell you what it wouldn't have meant. It would have meant that I was stopped and it wouldn't have meant that I would have stopped listening. And I would have got four more people. And I would have got four more people and four more people and four more people until the checks got wrote. And God could have explained, and God would have had to explain to me why it was that way, but I would have listened. You know, I don't know. I just, it's not so much about, Get up, get over this thing. If, if it doesn't work, it means this. Well, you don't know what it means. I mean, you know, you may know a little bit about your own heart's motives, but even those sometimes are elusive to us, to ourselves. We think we might know why we're motivated by something, but God reveals the motives of our heart. God knows the, the motives and the situations. We are, we are not equipped to judge. I mean, our, even our physical senses, because we're so dominated by them, it completely disqualify us from judging because what we see is not all there is. We're not even in tune with the unseen realm half the time. So how the heck can we judge anything? We don't know what demonic influence is working here or working there. Or, we have no idea. We have no idea what's going on in people's lives. We have no idea. Even if you can see the circumstances, you have no idea. Amen? All right. So I wanted to grab some paper here and a pen for everyone because I just wanted, I wanted us to take a moment and just hear the Lord. Now, I want to give you a couple of ground rules for this, okay? This is not a time to go ask God the meaning of life. Okay. You know, we're not asking God, how do we, how do we bring about world peace right here in the next five minutes? Okay. One of the most important things I can teach you about journaling is let God lead the conversation. Right. Did everybody hear that? One of the most important things I can teach you about journaling is to let God lead the conversation. You know, because here's what happens. We're trying to get God to come down to our little level and have a conversation. Okay, have you ever, you know, tried to have a conversation with a three-year-old? Right, you got to come down to their level. You got to use words they understand, body language they understand. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you're, it's, you're bringing, you're coming. My point is, we're, we're, we're wanting God to bring us up to his level of thinking. Not, not come down and make the context of the conversation about our little limited understanding. Not that God can't do that. It's just, there's, let's just, remember when, when Jesus said, I have much to tell you, but you cannot yet bear it. Okay. We just want to let him lead. He's the leader. We're the follower, right? He's the master. We're the disciple. Okay. And so that's my first thing. So 
You're just going to let him say whatever the heck he wants to say. We're not going to control it. We're not going to judge it. We're just going to let the man talk. What a concept, right? So everybody has a little paper. I'm going to get my little journal out here. I have this little electronic journal that I'll open up. And we're just going to spend a few minutes. So let's just take a few minutes and you can just, you know, just, just put your name at the top and hit a comma after it and just let him speak.